I'm creative business coach Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hi, welcome to episode 37. I'm excited to bring you this interview episode today. I am talking with Danielle Spurge of the Meriwether Council. And Danielle is somebody who I have admired for a very long time. Um, I've followed her for several years, and I think it's just absolutely amazing and incredible what she's built pretty much single-handedly. Today, she and I are going to kind of talk through some of the things that makers need to know what their business is. We're going to talk through her personal journey as well. And of course, we're going to dive into Etsy because she's a huge Etsy nerd and she feels the same about Etsy as I do about Instagram in that we know a lot about each individual platform. We're kind of obsessed with each individual platform, but we also recognize that those platforms are just tools in our businesses. Without further ado, let's dive in. Tell me about how you how, how you've gotten here, the whole story. I want the whole thing. Sure. Well, I was born and then <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to college at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston. I think technically it's Massachusetts College of Art and Design, not the. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I liked making art and being creative. And I went you know, through a phase where I declared myself as a printmaking major. And then I found out that basically just means drawing, which I hated. So I switched to fiber art, um, which is a subcategory of the 3D fine arts at the school I went to. In a lot of schools, it's a 2D fine art, but where I went, it was considered sculptural. And I graduated with a BFA in 3D fine arts with a concentration in fibers. And um, I was supposed to go to graduate school. I applied, I got in, they offered me scholarships, all this stuff. I was going to go. And then at the very last minute, like literally the day before I graduated college, um, they like the whole thing kind of fell apart (laughs) and I decided not to go. Um, and that's when I was like, well, I don't have any other plans. I decided to start my handmade business because that was something I really enjoyed learning about. And I did my senior thesis on handmade businesses, um, in my senior year of college. And I was really interested in it. And in Boston at the time, it was very, um, like there was a big, community of makers and artists and craft fairs and things like that. So it was easy to kind of like see it in action. And I was super inspired by that. And so that's what I did. And then that kind of took off and, um, I did that full time for about five years. And then I got married and my husband joined the Navy (laughs) and we were moving and it was getting like a little harder to like keep up with, you know, my product business, but I still was doing it, but it also made me feel more isolated from people because we were moving and I was working alone all day, all the time. And, um, that's fine. I, that's whatever. But, um, at the time, um, my stuff was really picking up traction and momentum and it had been for the previous couple of years. And people were always asking me, you know, how are you doing this? What are you doing? Tell us everything. 
And I loved talking shop with people. And then that kind of became its own thing. And I was like wanting to do more of that. So I focused on that more and that got me kind of more social interactions, um, which was nice with all the moving and being in new places. Um, and then that kind of took off and I really enjoyed doing that. And so we built that side of the business out some more. And basically that's how we ended up here. So I ran my product-based business and my service-based business alongside each other. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the story. Okay. So what, what's the timeline of that trajectory? How long did that take you to get from college to now? I graduated college in 2010. So 11 years. Wow. (laughs) Over 11 years. So how have you seen things change in the internet selling world from then to now? Well, I, I know that's not a tremendous amount of time, 10 years, but it is a lot of time, especially in terms of technology and how fast things move. So the biggest thing is that even, even five years ago, seven years ago, it wasn't as easy to sell online as it is now. Like my first website was like a very arduous experience. Like it was horrible. It was difficult to use. Like this was like pre Shopify or like the very, like the very early years of Shopify um, before it was like very well known. Um, You know, Shopify I think made things so easy uh, for people to get started and like, look like have a very professional looking site. That's easy to use. Like my site looked nice but it was very difficult to use. It was difficult to manage inventory, stuff like that. So like that tremendous, tremendous shift in how simple it can be to get started selling things online. Um, I know Etsy has always been like essentially pretty simple way to get started and still is, which is great. Um, But yeah, I think that's probably like the biggest thing I know for sure. And then the whole like social media thing, when I graduated college, there was no Instagram, like that makes me feel ancient, but there was no Instagram (laughs) till I think two or three months after I graduated college. So, um, and then, you know, it was like totally acceptable to post like 15 pictures in a row of like your dinner, you know, it was like not the Instagram we know today. So that obviously has been tremendously changed in the the past decade as well. Um, But I think overall, there's just so many more resources available, which in a lot of ways is great. And in other ways is extremely overwhelming, but um, the ease of use, I think is huge across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So as far as kind of like what, like the, the Meriwether council as it is like, What are some of the different branches of it at the moment? Like, what are some of the different things you do within that? So right now at the Meriwether Council, I mean, we, I still maintain the product-based business. Like if you, if people want to order products for me, they can, I'm not like out there, like pushing the products because it's just not my focus right now. And that's just the way it is. But, um, we do have, you know, the products. Then we have our training course for Etsy sellers and we have our membership experience. We call it the council. Those are our like two main educational resource avenues. And we love both of those. I love being an Etsy nerd and talking about Etsy and, you know, continuing to, you know, 
twiddle with it and see, you know, experiment and see like what they're doing and like all that. I just love, I love Etsy. I love being an Etsy nerd. Um, and then in the council, we kind of cover all the rest of the areas of business. Like, so whether you're just a casual Etsy seller, but you're, you're taking your business seriously, like a business, not just a hobbyist, or you're like a full throttle entrepreneur, you're going to encounter things in your business that need addressing like marketing finances, you know, team building, legal resources, you know, all that stuff. And that's kind of where we address all that. And I feel like that's kind of another zone of genius, if you will, for me, because I've learned so much being self-employed by my own businesses for the past 11 years. So, um, that's always so much fun for me to like nerd out about business and marketing and strategy and all that stuff. So those are our two main things in our, in the educational side of the business that we spend, you know, most of our time on, but we also have our podcast and the blog I'm on Instagram a lot, all that kind of stuff, trying the YouTube thing now, but primarily it's all about creating realistic and concise advice for craft-based business owners. Sure. So can I ask how big your team is? So I have, um, like one right-hand woman and we have, um, an admin on our team and the three of us pretty much that is it. We have some people who we work with, um, you know, in other capacities, but yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Well, it looks like you guys are powerhousing through a lot of steps. So that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's, let's go into Etsy then. Um, have you been doing Etsy pretty much since Etsy started? No, Etsy was pretty well established by the time I got there. I think Etsy was born in like what, 2006, something like that. I would have to check, but Etsy was, uh, like, it was like known, um, when I started in 2010. So not the very beginning, but definitely like first wave, second wave. (laughs) Yeah. So pretty early, but not forever. Okay. So what are like, what are some of your favorite things about it in the sense of like, why are you pro Etsy? Oh my goodness. So I just like, I think Etsy is such an incredibly powerful tool. Um, probably the most powerful tool that makers or craft-based business owners have available to them right now. Um, I see Etsy as a tool in the business similar to how you might see Instagram as a tool in the business where you're not on Instagram just for the purpose of amassing Instagram followers or to get Instagram likes the end. The purpose of Instagram is to grow something bigger, Mm -hmm. similar to how I see Etsy, which is the purpose of Etsy is to grow something bigger, which would be your whole business or brand um, as it exists on and beyond Etsy. So by having a presence on Etsy, people can, if they know how to use it properly, which is what we teach them, they can use Etsy alongside the rest of their business as a way to gain exposure and connect to different opportunities, not just sales. I know that's great. And everybody knows, you know, yes, you can go on Etsy and make sales direct to cut 
direct to consumer sales, but there's so many other benefits and opportunities that can come just from having presence on Etsy. And many of them are more profitable and lucrative than a single direct to consumer sale. So, um, that's kind of our Etsy philosophy. And that's how I always encourage, you know, our, our students to use Etsy as a tool in the business to grow something bigger. Okay. So So that's definitely my little Etsy spiel. (laughs) So when you say that there's other opportunities, you mean like, is there like wholesale I'm assuming it's maybe an opportunity or is different things? Well, yeah, I mean, there's really like endless, but for example, so I've had this happen to me. We've had many of our students have had this happen to them, various iterations of this where people, because Etsy, the the big thing about Etsy is obviously it has its own built-in audience, right? Of people who are coming to the site and searching for things either to buy now or in the near future, Mm -hmm. or um, part of a big part of that audience is people like media people or influencer type people, editors, all that kind of thing. People who buy for like celebrities, people who buy for TV sets, stuff like that. Um, I've had people reach out to me with different opportunities, um, through Etsy or because they saw my work on Etsy and then have had pretty major features like national magazines. My stuff was on the today show, better homes and gardens, Molly makes, um, Southern living people, style watch all these different publications. Most of those came from having presence on Etsy, that's where they like discovered. So that's huge, right? Like having something published in a magazine is way more lucrative than just getting one single direct to consumer sale on Etsy. Mm -hmm. So people always want to focus on like sales numbers and all this stuff. Doesn't matter. (laughs) It like really does not matter. The number of sales that displays on your Etsy shop PS I think is annoying but um, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's literally just a num- the number of transactions your shop has completed. It says nothing about number of items you've sold. It says nothing about the revenue of your business or the health of your business or anything like that. And it's basically a number based on a true story, I like to say. Um, but there is so much more to it than how many sales did you make? Yeah. And if you know how to use it properly, I think that starts to make more sense and people start to feel better about their relationship to the platform because it's less about like, I got to make sales. I got to make sales. And I don't think anybody started a business like this just to sit around and worry about when their next $42 sale is going to happen. So, um, I try to, you know, emphasize that like, it's not just about the sales. Like, yes, that's awesome. Obviously no one's going to be like, no, please. I have too many sales. I don't want any more. Well, I mean, I guess that could happen, but (laughs) there's so much more to it than that. And like, we've had students who, you know, people, I know somebody, I wouldn't know off the top of my head, her name, but they reached out and they wanted to buy like a pillow from her shop to put on the set of like some TV show. Like, that's awesome (laughs) to be able to say, you know, as seen on whatever sitcom. (laughs) Um, so stuff like that. I think if people are able to like expand their understanding of like what is possible and what is, you know, feasible, Mm -hmm. they start to approach it differently. Yeah. That's really interesting. I kind of feel the same way about Instagram in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. 
people get so wrapped up in like, how many reels views do I have? Or how many likes mm-hmm. did this get? Or how many people responded to my question sticker? By the way, hardly anybody responds to question stickers. Right. <laughs> exactly. The question has to be incredibly juicy. I have found like incredibly juicy for people to feel the need to respond. I think, I think the juiciest one I've ever seen is when somebody asked how to properly pronounce mob. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I actually saw one similar. It was about like a, I'm going to say a skein of yarn. Oh, They were like, is it a skein or is it a skein? And that, I guess it probably popped off. It wasn't my question, but you know, very controversial. Do we know what the answer is? I honestly did not know that it was a question. I always thought it was skein. I didn't know skein was an option. So I am definitely team skein. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is, but I did not know skein was an option at all. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe I need to adopt this and put this on my, in my you should. box and see In- Instant engagement. <laughs> Oh, super funny. Okay. Uh, now, okay. So what are some of your top tips for like getting the most out of Etsy? Um, I think the number one way to get the most out of Etsy is to on like, I think people need to know that, that there is that power there, like that we were talking about. Um, and believe in that power the way that they, like people are so willing to believe in like the power of Instagram, but like for whatever reason, there's a lot of like trepidation about Etsy. Like what, like, oh, it's too saturated. It's this, it's that. I heard so many rumors, different things are wrong with it, whatever that people, it slows them down. Um, so I think that's the first thing is like to make the most out of Etsy, you have to believe that it is actually a powerful tool. Um, Second, I think people need to kind of understand that Etsy itself is a business and that changes how they communicate different things. Like people are constantly like, oh, I can't be visible on Etsy because I don't offer free shipping. And that's such a big deal. And Etsy won't promote my listings unless I ship them for free or whatever. That's not even true. It's easily dispelled by simply running a search on Etsy, which I do all of the time. I, you know, I'm constantly on Etsy buying things myself almost every day. I see items ranking in the top spots of searches that have shipping on them that aren't like, you know, sponsored ads just organically relevant listings that ship for with, with cost. Um, so that's like, okay, no, that's not true. (laughs) Um, and also like people will pay shipping. So like when Etsy is promoting something like free shipping or, you know, they're discounting tools or like right now they're doing their, um, holiday promotion. It's like, if you offer 20% off, then you're part of their promotion, whatever. Etsy's doing that because they want you to engage with the tools that they built out because they're a business and they spent all this time investing in these tools that they built out, which by the way, people asked for like years and years ago, you couldn't do anything with sales or couponing beyond just having like one flat coupon. Like there was no var- variability, nothing. It was bad. And people asked like, can you please build out these couponing tools and sales tools? And Etsy did. And then people were like, well, how dare they constantly be? 
<laughs> asking us to run sales. It's not that they're, they don't carry their way. You run the sale, you don't. There's a million different things they're going to feature, whether you're selling something on sale or free shipping, star seller, all these different, like whatever you either do, you don't. There's a million ways to get seen or be featured. They're doing that because they're a business and they invested all this time and energy in building out these tools for us. And now they want you to try them. So they're going to incentivize you to try them just like we as business owners would incentivize anybody to try our product. So by telling you, we're going to feature some shops who participate in these sales or whatever, that's an incentive. It doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. They just want you to try their tool because they spent all that time on it. So I think that's a big thing too, is like people need to understand that Etsy is a business in themselves. And that's actually a good thing that Etsy wants to evolve and build out new tools, um, whether they're tools that I individually personally love or would use, who cares? They're still evolving. And that matters to me as a seller on that platform, right? That they're evolving in their business practices because that's good for us as like, by and large, most of the changes Etsy makes are good for most people. <laughs> you know, obviously some people don't like the changes or it takes them longer to get used to things, but by and large, the changes are either do not dis- disrupt your experience or they make it better, which I think some people need to kind of just be realistic about. So knowing that it's a business and all that, I think is huge. And then more like tactical, like things you could actually do tips. Um, It really depends like what you're doing or what you're selling, but I think not being afraid to price correctly is huge. Like actually pricing for profit. Like we always say affordable is an opinion. Expensive is an opinion. Mm-hmm. profitable is math, like, yeah. pro- like expensive and inexpensive or affordable. Those are ambiguities, but profit is a number that you're mm-hmm. actually going to know whether or not it is or isn't. So price for profit, and then don't be afraid to set your price that way. Um, I think people would be shocked at what people are willing to spend. Um, especially when it's you who made it, you're like, Oh, well, I it was nothing. I just made it while I watched Netflix, whatever. Like, no, like the person who doesn't know how to make it is wildly impressed and wants to pay you for this work. Right. So I think that's, um, there is a market for every product, every price point. And in a lot of cases, those exist on Etsy. So, you know, pricing appropriately is huge. Um, not being afraid to look at your stats and also understanding what you're looking at when you look at stats and can be really helpful for people. I think most people are not afraid to look at stats in the sense that they're constantly checking them, but they're not really sure what they're looking for. So like, or what they're looking at or how to read it or how to use the information in stats to move forward. Like just read it and see, like sometimes people get very upset that oh, I only had a hundred visits or whatever. And I'm like, okay, how many sales did you make from that? And they're like, only two. And I'm like, that's a 2% conversion rate. And that's actually awesome. So, you know, it doesn't, you could have a thousand views or visits, whatever, and no sales that's worse than a hundred, you know? So I'm like, you have to know what you're looking at and you have to know how to like interpret that data. Um, and I think people kind of miss that because it's not fun. I don't like math. No one likes math. No one wants to do that stuff, but it's there, it's useful information. And um, if you know how to read it, it can be really informative to you. So 
those are a couple of things. Um, trying to think like beyond like the super basics that everyone's heard a zillion times, like, yes, have nice pictures. Yes. Upload the videos. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the video thing is new enough that people might not be doing it, but now that they allow you to upload that video, even though it's like 15 silent seconds or whatever, I think everyone should make use of that. I think that's, especially now video is so favored everywhere. Yeah. Um, I would definitely make use of that. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about star seller for a little bit? Because I, yeah. I don't know much about it other than what I see on like small biz memes, like their, their jokes about star seller. So. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. So I just, let's, let's just talk about it. I want to talk about what the hell is it? And what do you feel about it? Okay. So I obviously super love Etsy. And like I said, I don't, you know, whether something rolls out that I personally like is completely irrelevant. Right. I just think we all need to know like how to interpret what they're doing. It's less about like, how do I personally feel? I think star seller, first of all, like, I think it could have been named or like branded maybe a little bit more it's just feels a little immature to me. It feels like very fifth grade gold star. You did a good job, but it's really just another opportunity to lean in to this particular thing that they're pushing right now. Right. Like, it's just like, it's literally just like any other thing, free shipping, the couponing, the sales, you know, there's, there's been a thousand things before there's going to be new things in the future. This is just like the hot button thing right now. Um, I will say, I do think it's difficult to appeal to like in the case of free shipping, you just go in, you activate it, you know, as long as the pricing works out for you, <laughs> it's fine. It's pretty easy to be like, yep, I order, I offer free shipping or above that threshold, $35, whatever free shipping guarantee situation. Um, but star seller is a little harder to appeal to, which is why I'm like, let's not worry about it. Like if you happen to, you know, be awarded star seller one month, like that's great. If not, we know it's not going to matter because we didn't have it before. And people still bought your product. We've had other badges on Etsy before and people with and without those badges have made sales and been successful. And it's, you know, it's just like not as big of a deal as Etsy is making it to be because again, it's their product that they want to push. They want to promote that product. You know, it's not for sale, but it's a product of Etsy that they want to push to sellers. So, um, however, star seller or not, whatever the case may be, a lot of times the big draw for this is like, well, if you're a star seller, we're going to feature you, or, you know, we might feature your, we're going to feature sellers who have star seller status, right? They're not going to feature sellers just because they have star seller status. They're going to feature sellers who also have like super editorial friendly shops, mm -hmm. shops that you know, ship internationally that everybody can buy from that have their listings fully filled out, that their stores have multiple listings in them that people can browse. Like they're not going to just pick you and feature your shop because it's star seller, but it has, you know, nothing else going for it. Like you have to have that baseline of good business and like 
all the stuff that we want to see in a well-rounded shop for any of this other stuff to make any difference. Star seller, free shipping, you know, Etsy's always really into personalization. I consider that like a special Etsy opportunity because they love it so much. But like, they're not going to feature your your shop just because you sell personalized items. (laughs) You have to be doing all this other like baseline of things because they don't want to feature shops that aren't doing that. So, you know, those are the things that really matter. Not these like little extra, you know, sprinkles, free shipping and star seller and all this stuff. But people get so focused on those things because they get little badges for them or whatever, like start to forget about the other stuff that really matters. So, um, that's kind of my two cents on star seller. I personally think it's wasn't rolled out. Well, um, was rolled out kind of prematurely. There was a lot of like issues with, um, like even like, I don't know how they didn't account for this, but like, if you sell a digital product and it didn't have a tracking number, which why would it, because it's digitally sent and delivered like instantly that was like creating a problem. Like, I don't know how you don't account for that, but that's very on par for Etsy. They do that. They roll things out a little bit prematurely. It's just like very on brand for them. It's nothing to worry about. It's just like, all right, we know that's how they roll, like whatever. They'll figure it out or they won't and it'll be fine. Like, it doesn't matter. I understand it's frustrating and all this stuff, but it's just like, it doesn't really make a difference. Like it's not the thing. Nobody started this business to earn star seller status on Etsy. Like let's keep it in perspective, you know? It's so funny. Cause I feel like everything that like you get really passionate about with Etsy is like exactly how I feel about everything that I get passionate about with Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I it's, they're very similar. Like, you know, that was the first thing I said, like similar to Instagram, a tool in your business. But like, once you see it that way, it's like, okay, Instagram, Etsy, whoever can do whatever, but like my business doesn't live and die by, you know, whatever Etsy's whim is or Instagram's whim is today, or at least that's what I'm hoping to help people do establish like the, the wellness of their business in full where Etsy is a part of it, but not like starts and ends there. Right. So, okay. So then along that line, Mm -hmm. so do you, what do you think about if somebody has like a product-based business, um, and they sell on Etsy, Mm -hmm. do you feel like they should also sell on like their website? Yes, absolutely. I do. And I think um, there is something to be said about starting on Etsy and like kind of just like figuring out like, do you actually really want to sell your product online? Because I know so many people like start out like very gung ho and like, yes, you know, so much energy, so much momentum. And then like it kind of fizzles because it's not super glamorous, you know, like once you're actually doing it for, you know, all day. So you kind of can get your feet wet and see like, do I even want to do this? Um, And Etsy kind of makes it really easy to figure that out. And there's so many things that you can learn on Etsy that would be useful to you going forward. Like you might notice like, oh, it'd be so great if we could do X, Y, and Z or have whatever feature on Etsy that isn't available. We're definitely going to want to build that into our own site or look for a platform that provides that. Or this feature that we do have on Etsy, so useful, so helpful. We get so much out of that. We definitely want to make sure we can have that on our own website. Mm -hmm. Things like that, little things that you just learn and figure out. 
um, can be so useful, you know, take your Etsy experience and apply it elsewhere. But absolutely, I completely think that the autonomy of having your own website where it's like all about you is absolutely crucial. Um, you know, there are definitely people who only want to sell on Etsy and like that aligns with their goals. And like, as long as people know that, like, I'm cool. <laughs> like, as long as you know that that's totally, you're totally fine with like whatever risk is involved in that, or like whatever restrictions are involved in that. Like, as long as you know, and like, you're cool with that, I'm cool with that. But I think for most people, um, having that autonomy is so, so beneficial. And you do want that because we've all seen it. We've all seen it where longtime Etsy seller, ten, five years, 10 years, however many years into business only selling on Etsy, something happens, something transpires, nobody's fault necessarily, just something happens and there's something, you know, it's not overcomable. They can no longer sell on Etsy. Either they don't want to, or they've been restricted in some way. This is pretty rare overall, but like we've seen, you've seen it. Um, just they either decide that's it. Last, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm out of here. I'm building my own site now, seven years later, like breaks my heart. Should have done it from year one, year two, year three at the latest, um, ideally, because all of that angst and heartache could have been avoided had the longtime seller started that shop, even if it was really simple, really basic from the beginning, um, you know, and I always say like, send your hard-earned social media traffic and newsletter traffic and whatever traffic you're out there like hustling for, send that to your own website. <laughs> Why are you going to, you know, that's a whole other story, but <laughs> definitely want to have that own website, even if it's as simple as like, here's my landing page. It's on my own domain. Sign up for my newsletter, click this button to shop. And it goes to Etsy. Even if it's that, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but ideally you would be able to sell through it or you would sell through it. And I know some people have lots of concerns about like, well, the inventory in two places. And I'm just like, it's not as much of an issue as anybody thinks it is really in the end, like in reality, it's not. So just do it <laughs> and you will figure it out. Like if there is an issue, the absolute worst case scenario is you oversell an item and somebody gets a refund. Worst case scenario, that's it. It's not so bad. Yeah. It's not so scary, right? So until both shops are getting like an extraordinary amount of traffic and sales, it's really not as big of an issue as people think it is. So I definitely think doing both simultaneously. And if you know how to use Etsy properly, that can, that experience and that process and that presence can help you build the customer base for your own website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's great. Okay. So let's talk about shifting, shifting away from Etsy. So let's say that somebody has been selling on Etsy primarily for a while, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that is kind of how they have done their marketing for lack of a better word. So do you have advice for people who are now having to realize how to trek out into the big wide world of everything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it, it's, it is overwhelming because, you know, Etsy is like so warm and safe and, you know, it feels like the wild, wild west out here, like your own website, like no 
you know, big mama to like, you know, <laughs> be under the umbrella of, um, but the, there's so much freedom and so much, you know, like I keep saying like autonomy and you can brand it up the wazoo exclusively to you. Like it, it's exciting. Um, in terms of like making that like take off, yeah, it's a little harder than like something like Etsy, because on Etsy, if you set it up properly, you can tap, you're tapping into their existing audience. And that's why I think even years into business, people can and should use Etsy as long as, you know, it aligns for them. But I always think when I hear people say, oh, just like get started on Etsy and then move on. I'm like, no, keep Etsy. Why would you not? Mm -hmm. Like it's, still going to be hugely useful to you. Um, and that's why I like that, like in tandem, like you have both because there's certain things, certain benefits and things of a marketplace. And there's certain benefits of having a standalone site and you're not going to get all of them unless you do both. (laughs) So, um, that's, you know, there's certain things you can't get on Etsy. And there's certain things you can't get on a standalone site. So we like standalone and marketplace. And that could be like, for most people, it's Etsy, but for some people, maybe it's Amazon and WordPress or Etsy and Shopify. Like it can be whatever, but it's always standalone and marketplace is like the best formula. And I think that they really bounce off each other. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question in terms of like, what should people do? I mean- <laughs> Well, it's a good, it's good to know about the, uh, the suggestion to keep things in tandem as you go on, because yeah, the, the overwhelming advice that I have heard out there is start and transition off, but you're right. I mean, like there's, there's actually, there's a search engine built into Etsy and that mm-hmm. search engine goes to Google <laughs> shopping. So like your mm-hmm. site probably isn't going to meet that same quota. Yeah. Um, Last I checked, you can take your Etsy shop out of Google shopping, which actually I would do if you sell elsewhere so that you're not competing with yourself. If someone does go looking for your shop by name, I mean, there's definitely benefits of leaving it on there because if someone's going to just search Google for a general product type or whatever, and there's a chance you show up from your Etsy listings, maybe that's beneficial. But for me, if people are Googling, I'd rather them find my standalone site than my Etsy. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's just, you know, stuff to think about. But um, yeah, it's, there's so many like cool and exciting ways to like market your business, but a lot of people get burnt out on that. And it's nice to have something like Etsy where whether you pay attention to it or not, it can still generate results for you. And like we spoke about earlier, the editor of teen people or whoever is probably looking there, you know? Um, so just having that presence, even if it's not like your main selling platform, like why not optimize for those other kinds of experiences and opportunities? So, um, that's why I think people should stay on Etsy Um, I think it's actually very bad advice to tell people to only go into Etsy for a short time and then move um, off completely. But it's very good advice to have autonomy off of Etsy. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's talk about beyond Etsy, life beyond Etsy. 
-hmm. So what, I don't want to be too general here. What's that look like for you? What do you, what do you, what do you think? What do you like to focus on? How do you like to handle that with people? I guess when they're like, okay, I want to now like live life outside of Etsy, where, where do you take them? It's so hard to, I mean, I don't, I can't think of anybody who I've worked with directly. Who's been like, have no presence on Etsy ever and just want to, I guess we have probably had people who never used Etsy, but um, it's just so much easier when you have some kind of baseline. But I think like, if you wanna really focus your efforts, like once you, like in my merry best case scenario, your Etsy shop works for you. You have more time to focus on your standalone. I think that the best way, the best first step is to work on building up contacts in a newsletter, an email newsletter, but don't call it a newsletter because that's boring. <laughs> Come up with some cuter name for it, but just so everybody knows what we're talking about, yeah. some kind of like a newsletter subscriber list. Um, People get so discouraged about the numbers on Instagram, myself included. You would be shocked at the numbers you can get on email, open rate, click-through rate, sales. Um, it lasts a little longer. It definitely goes to the person's mail. <laughs> you know, um, there's no algorithm on email. The worst thing that you'll get on email is the junk folder or promotions tab or whatever, but overall chances are a lot better that your message reaches the person who said they wanted to hear it yeah. than social. Um, I think that's like the, the number one best step to take, um, in that like post Etsy exploration. Um, and there are ways to kind of like build that up, like through, you know, having contacts in Etsy, not message them and tell them to sign up, not that, but like, you know, there are, if you do have existing customers, you can work it into like, just like you would tell people, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, whatever, subscribe to my newsletter, whatever. Um, I think that is super valuable and people don't want to do it because it's not fun. Like Instagram. Mm -hmm. But that's business sometimes. That's showbiz, baby. Um, I know like Instagram is fun and email and all that is not fun, but it's so valuable. Um, so definitely, I think that's definitely something that people overlook that's really useful to do in that like initial like stepping off Etsy or like looking at life beyond Etsy and building your own business. Yeah. I'm in total agreement with you. And I have, I have people that I'll reach out to and they'll say something like, I don't have a newsletter. I know you're going to yell at me. Yeah. It's something to consider. That's all. Um, right. Heavily, but I mean, regardless. Uh, okay. So my final question is, is, um, kind of important, I guess, sort of. So now from what I've seen and what I see right now in the background mm -hmm. of the video is that you have oh. something about, uh, you have the Backstreet Boys 
up there on the on the wall. So I need to know <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's the favorite. Who's your favorite? Okay. Well, my favorite favorite Backstreet Boy is Nick Carter. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's gonna always be. It's fine. We're here for life. <laughs> um, but of course, I love all five together the most. That the, oh. that's where the magic happens. But um, you know, it's been a while, so got a very get, diplomatic answer. Get the boys back together. <laughs> yes. Well, I've had many years to think about it. <laughs> oh my gosh! I remember I had a walk-in closet um, when I was in whatever middle school, high school, and uh, I got like every or not episode like issue of Teen Beat or whatever they were, mm-hmm. and it like overlaps collage but I was really into Brian Brian oh okay no totally understandable yeah you um, totally understandable about any of them maybe, <laughs> maybe not Howie but maybe the other no I you know what in in the ranking which does exist Howie is my number two <laughs> so I'm I'm here for Howie as well okay yeah so well then I just put my foot in it but that's fine no, I, I think it's, everyone's going to have their own rankings. I have some friends who Howie does not rank in the top four. It's fine. It is what it is. Everybody has their preferences. <laughs> well, it's really nice for you to be like, so, you know, understanding and kind about that. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> I love them all really. It's very challenging to rank them. So funny. So funny. Oh my gosh. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope I adequately answered some of your questions. (laughs) It's so hard to give concise answers to any of this stuff because I'm like, well, and then there's this other thing and then this other thing and you have to know about this other thing as well. And then, you know, it's like, it gets very spidery. It does, it does. Since I was so excited to interview Danielle, I actually forgot to ask her to share her links at the end of our interview. So here I am, I'm going to give them to you. So you can find Danielle and the Meriwether Council on Instagram at Meriwether C. Meriwether is spelled M-E-R-R-I-W-E-A-T-H-E-R. And there's the C there for the Instagram. If you are looking for them on the internet, so via the website, their website is MeriwetherCouncilBlog.com. The blog is very important. And then they also have a free Etsy workshop for those of you who are interested in taking that. Um, and that is at www.unlockmary.com. So unlock, M-E-R-R-I dot com. And if you have any questions about any of that, feel free to send me a message on Instagram and I can get you all those links and I'll share them as well on my feed. And I think that is all that we have for today. So we will talk more next week. 